Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com slash DSO. That's betterhelp.com slash DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. All right, gentlemen, I have three o'clock on the dot. Eastern Standard Time, U.S. of A. So we will go ahead and get started. We have 24 guys logged in right now. But as I had said in the messages on the chat, we had about 60 guys who signed up for this. So I imagine they're going to be trickling in over the next hour or so. Choose what happens. Schedules, kids, all that good stuff. You know how it is. We can't make meetings exactly at three. That is no big deal at all. But welcome, welcome, welcome to all you guys that are here for the first time ever. This is what we call a live DSO fraternity meeting. We have, oh, I think right now we're averaging over the last couple of months, we're averaging. Okay, I'm going to mute. Guys, if you could, mute your mics when you log in. Um, We have on average about a couple of these a week now on a variety of different topics. We try to keep them focused on specific topics. And what we typically do is for every meeting, we will log in, we'll welcome new guys, and we'll ask the guys to share their story with the group. Considering we have so many guys on this one, we're not going to do that. So we're just going to say welcome to all you guys. I'm sure you have a lot of great stories to share that whatever brings you to the world of dad starting over. But for purposes of this meeting, man, that would that would go on for hours and hours if we allowed everyone to uh, share their story. So thanks for understanding. Um, what is the DSO fraternity? I want to get started with that. And then we will uh, introduce some guys also on the call that are important here. DSO Fraternity is a members-only part of my website at dadstartingover.com. And the benefits of joining include we have some member-only articles written by myself and several other people, including Jack, Thomas, even my wife. Uh, Jason Reedon has um, uh, also contributed an article to. Um, Some of those articles have audio included. We also have these live meetings amongst the members, which I've already mentioned. Uh, We have discussion groups, private Facebook discussion groups. Uh, The most popular one, the most active one being the group for men in dead bedrooms. Uh, What else do we have? You get access to all of my books. You can download the file, the PDF file from your fraternity membership. All you got to do is log in. You can download it. You can listen to the audio version. You can stream it live on the website, or you can download an MP3 file to have the audio file. So what else do we have? All right. Jason. And let's see, I'm, I have some notes here. The articles, the Facebook groups, access to my books, these live meetings, and then a portion of the proceeds 
of your membership fee, I actually contribute to what's known as the Movember Foundation, which is a charity, an international charity for men. They do things such as help guys with, uh, oh, mental illness, depression, suicide prevention, uh, even physical issues such as prostate cancer, testicular cancer, all those real special men only things that affect so many of us. I did some research and they seem like a really good group. So I don't mind kicking them a few bucks. And here we have Thomas coming in. Let me welcome him in. Uh, so Thomas is in, which is a perfect segue into my next segment on my list, which is we have a couple of gentlemen here that helped me out a great deal with the whole dead started over universe. And the two gentlemen, you may know their names if any of you are on the Facebook or read the articles posted. Uh, Jack, he goes by the pseudonym of Jack London. He, uh, he is a military man. I'll let him tell his story, but he helps us out with these live Zoom meetings. He hosts some of them as well as providing one-on-one -on -one coaching to our members and non-members for that matter. And we also have Thomas, who you may see uh, his name online, TH Stevens. Same thing. He uh, has a great story. He brings his own unique perspective and he does the Zoom meetings as well as the live coaching. Um, I'm getting a notice on my computer that my internet connection is going a little wonky. So if I happen to cut out, I apologize. If you could just alert me on the chat and I will know that you guys can't hear me. And I ask uh, Thomas and uh, Jack on the call, if you hear me cutting out, if you could just uh, chime in and, and, and step up to the plate, that would be most appreciated. Um, Tony says that I did drop out for about 10 seconds. Well, shit, I'm so, sorry about that. Uh, so yeah, I'm getting a little alert about a uh, wonky internet connection. So sorry about that in case you missed my warning a few seconds ago. So let me start with uh, Jack. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you to the dad starting over world and what you can offer to our members? Hey, how's it going, everybody? My name is Jack London, and uh, I got brought into this whole thing. Oh, originally, uh, last spring, um, how I came uh, to find myself here to begin with, uh, I, I was, um, you know, like a lot of you guys looking for answers in my marriage and how to how to improve myself and different things like that. And kind of unrelated, I'm looking on Facebook uh, early morning uh one morning and i came across the dead bedroom fix uh ad which was on facebook and instagram and all the social media platforms at the time and yeah i read a review and uh you know bought the book immediately saw the value and utility in the book and rapidly applied it to my life and got fantastic results uh after that uh just my involvement on the uh, the Dead Bedroom Fix uh, Facebook page kind of brought me to uh, DSO himself, and he asked me to reach out and asked if I would like uh, to write articles and contribute a little bit more to the page, which I, I'm in online college anyway, so I write all the time, and I said, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. And uh, I was able to employ a lot of the uh, skills that I have from uh, you know, two decades in the army. I'm a pretty senior guy. So I've spent literally thousands of hours on counseling individuals, you know, young soldiers, uh, non-commissioned officers, officers on a myriad of different issues, everything from marriage to financial to personal growth and development, 
or professional growth and development, all those different things. And I just tailored it to what I learned out of my uh, process and, uh, you know, improving my marriage. And then, um, you know, all the, the associated research I've done and, you know, kind of diving down the rabbit hole of how the whole, how the hell this whole thing really works. And it has been, um, really, uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things and dispelled a lot of just bad information or lack of inf- of good information out there for men today. You know, I would say, I would challenge all you guys, you know, if you go to a bookstore and look for a, a good men's self help book or marriage book that does not make you feel emasculated, does not make you buck or bend the knee to, you know, the wife's every demand and everything like that. Uh, you're, let me know what book that is, because really the only one I've found is the dead bedroom fix and really a couple others that I found that, you know, but again, uh, there, there's things in it that are kind of like, uh, I don't know about that, man. So that was what really attracted me to this whole group. And, uh, you know, it's obviously not woman bashing in any stretch of the imagination, but we're focused on men and improving uh, our role in the world and our role in marriage. Let me mute Chris there. Guys, if you could uh, make sure your mics are muted so we don't get a lot of background noise there. So thanks so much, Jack. I appreciate that, buddy. Um, Jack brings yeah. just, a, just a wealth of information and experience. And, um, you know, I didn't, when I was, I'm looking for guys to help out with this whole thing, I'm not looking for an, another me, another DSO. Jack fills in a lot of blanks where I have some, uh, I don't want to say faults, but where I'm not as strong as in, in, in building leadership and things like that. And Jack's, well, I, I can think of no one better, no one better to fit that mold. And um, it just, it's a, it's a perfect fit for exactly what we, myself and a lot of guys need. So welcome. And thanks so much, Jack, for that. And let's jump over to, if we may, um, Thomas, are you there? And would you like to uh, say a little about yourself and what brings you to the group and how you contribute? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for putting this together. It's, It's a pleasure to get in here and meet a bunch of individuals who may not have been to any of the meetings before this may be your first time experience. So uh, definitely hope you enjoy the meeting and look forward to having some future opportunities to touch base with you. A little bit different from my story is when I found the uh, dead bedroom fix, I was already uh, improving my marriage. We were going through a difficult time prior to that, and we had already went as far as filing for divorce, uh, separated out of the house, not me, her. And I'll circle back around to that and why that's important later if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to me in the past. Uh, But, you know, I I quickly, I say quickly, but over a course of a couple months, I realized that Mr. Nice Guy attitude was getting me absolutely nowhere. So I started to make a shift in my behavior and started stepping up and and just really uh, putting an end to all the, the nonsense that I was willing to deal with during that situation. And it wasn't too long after that, that I was on Audible and I came across the Dead Bedroom Fix. It's got a really catchy title. And I think we can always look at, at different ways to improve that aspect of our relationship. So I got the book, I read it and I thought, wow, this is pretty much exactly what I went through. And it's relatively close to the same steps I 
Kirk, in, in proving my situation. And why is this not out there? Why is this something that I've got to go find, uh, not even intentionally to get this type of information? Because anything else just about out there is, is really completely takes a, a completely different perspective of the book itself. So it was refreshing to see that I wasn't the only one out there that that found this to be the uh, the way to improve my my situation. What I bring to the group itself is I've got a what some say is a pretty unique story or background. Uh, I had multiple kids in high school, uh, one by a woman who eventually led to my first marriage. We got divorced about five years into the marriage, a total of 10 years of being together. Uh, part of that, I was in the military at the time. We separated. Uh, during our relationship, we had another kid at a relatively young age. So at the age of 22, I had three kids, two of them while I was in high school. Uh, and why that's important is after that divorce, within four years, I got custody of all three of my kids. And so I've been through, excuse me, I've been through the experience of the court battles. I've been through the ups. I've been through the downs of dealing with divorce, dealing with the dead bedroom, dealing with not being able to get that situation rectified and ultimately going through a divorce and finding myself in a much better situation afterwards. And I met my current wife. We got married. We've been married for over 10 years now. And about three years ago, we started having some difficulties and uh, divorce came up and I started falling back into that uh, Mr. Nice Guy role. And I was running just crazy with that, getting absolutely nowhere and uh, just kind of put my foot down. And I, after reading the dead bedroom picks, jumped on the fraternity because I wanted to check out a couple other of uh, DSO's books. And if you're not familiar, if you join the fraternity, you get an opportunity to read all of his books at the uh, at the cost of the fraternity itself. So if nothing else, it was just a cost savings of being able to read the books and, and spend a month or two in the fraternity to see what it was. Joined a couple of meetings, uh, had DSO reach out to me via email, and we discussed what I was looking to do. And part of that is I'm currently in the middle of writing a book that talks about dads getting custody and a lot of the steps we should take and the mistakes we make along the way and putting all that together and looking forward to getting that published here within the next year. And we took it from there and he asked if I was willing to step in and help do some meetings and some one-on-one -on -one coachings. And here we are. Excellent. Excellent. And for those of you, just a little bit of a, of a side tangent here. There is a podcast that is available for the public to listen to. You don't need to be a fraternity member. If, if you have a podcast app on your phone, just do a search for a dad starting over and you will find it. I think we have some 30 some odd episodes on there now. And a couple of them are an, an interview with Jack and an interview with Thomas. So I go more into detail of their story. And the one little interesting tidbit of information, not to pick on you, Thomas, but I always think this is funny. If you guys could guess at Thomas's age, <laughs> Let's make a game out of this. Um, 
<laughs> Tom says, what the hell? Hello. 53. Yeah. Sam says 53. Any other guesses okay. as to Thomas's age? Uh, if anyone, if you know how to use the chat feature on your Zoom, if you could, oh, come on now. Okay. So I like, okay. Yeah, we've got, we've got some Bass. experienced guys yeah. jumping in here. Okay. Yeah. Bass, you said 65. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I first started chatting with Thomas, I'm like, here's an older statesman. He's got some age on him. He's got some wisdom. I like this. And it turns out he's younger than I am. He's freaking 41. I would have never guessed. So wise old buck, Jack says. So yeah, there you go. We got the wise old slash young man in Thomas. And then uh, uh, Jack, you're a young man yourself, aren't you? What are you, 30... I am 37. 37. So, yeah, we got some young pups in here. And uh, let's just say I am older than the other two dudes. I 50 is not too far off for me, unfortunately. Anywho, so we all bring some good experience there. Um, I would say, you know, I can tell who buys my books and so forth, for the most part, the demographics and so forth, and uh, who clicks on my Facebook ads and Instagram and everything. And the age range is 35 to 55, men 35 to 55. And they're all over the world. We have members that are as far away as New Zealand, a lot of Australians, a lot of guys in the UK, um, Ireland, England, um, South Africa, for whatever reason, is big as well. Um, South America, I don't know if we have any, to be honest with you. Um, and then US is the biggest group, I believe, but not by much. So we got guys from uh, all over the world. Uh, Sam says Germany. That's right. Deutschland. Willkommen. My wife is German. So that's about all the German I know. And um, what else we got on tap? So what we normally do in these meetings is we have a topic and then I blab for a while on the topic. And then I say, does anybody else have anything to share? And then another guy or two or three blabs on. And before you know it, the hour's over. These things go by pretty damn fast, to be honest with you. And I sometimes stay on an extra 10, 15 minutes if my time allows. And I am able to do that today if anybody wants to stay on a little bit longer to pass the hour to chat. But we have about, we have about 45 minutes left if we go to the, the um, normal hour time limit here. But the topic I thought was a big one. And this just came to me yesterday when I was sitting in, and uh, staring at my wife which is, why did I get married? Why did I get married in my first marriage? Why did I get married all over again? I mean, knowing what I know, uh, I'm a freaking dad starting over for God's sakes. I wrote books on the topic. I've been blabbing incessantly for years on this online. Why did I get married to begin with? And why did I get married again? And I will talk about why I got married on the first time around. And it's very, very simple. I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, was I over the top romantically in love with my first wife? Eh, not really. We were more buddies. Very good buddies. Um, did I look at her across the room and say, God damn, look at that? No, not really. Again, friendly buddies. Um, did I want sex? Obviously. I'm a man. I have needs. But it never was, and it's horrible to say, but I never was all that gaga, oh my God, over my first wife. And that's not looking back on, you know, I'm trying to be vindictive or anything. That's nothing to do. With I'm just being very honest. And I think she would probably tell you the same thing about herself and probably what she, um, what she witnessed secondhand by staring at her husband across the table was just, I don't think this guy is over the top gaga for me. And she's right. And vice versa. Um, it was just what you did. It was just what my parents did, what her parents did. She came very large Catholic family. My mom came from a large Catholic family in Spain, and it was just known that 
you go, you, you have a girlfriend, you have a courtship process. And then there was this, it wasn't maybe overtly said, but just an understood societal pressure of, Hey, you got a good one. Don't let her go. You better marry her up. And then once you do that, Hey, you better cohabitate. You better start having kids. There was never a, a, an overt discussion of, are you ready for this or not? Let's really sit down and think, are you really ready to get married? Are you really ready to have some kids? Cause this is some big freaking stuff you're talking about here. I don't think I ever had anyone in any shape or form sit me down and have that discussion. It was just, Oh, you guys are getting married. Yeah. You've been together long enough. It makes sense. Oh, you're having kids. Well, it has, you have been married for seven years. It's, we were wondering when we were going to get around to that. We just did it. And now that I look back on it, I always talk about, I'm very open about my passivity in my first marriage. And it started with the whole beginning, the, the courtship process. So why the hell did I get married in my first one? Just because. And I really wish there was more deep thought, but there really isn't. Um, second time around, um, I dated relatively briefly. I dated my now wife for about three and a half years. I could have perpetually kept dating. But what is it about her that made me say, I love this woman. I want to get married to her. Um, yes, we had that, oh, for lack of a better term, shallowness of the sexual side that I didn't feel in my first marriage. Uh, the over-the-top puppy love was there. Those new relationship energy. I mean, intense, wildly intense. And But when all that settles down and you get to know the person and you see them warts and all and their family and their friends and everything else, I think the, not to get too mushy here, but the thing that really made me say she's something else was respect. I respect the hell out of the woman. Um, I think that's very important for saying this is the one I want to commit to. And that's a big thing for men. You know, don't just brush by that to say, I'm going to forego uh, romantic, intimate relationships with other women and just focus on this one, that may sound virtuous, to, but that's a big freaking deal for a lot of guys. And that's a big deal to me now, especially having done it once before. Um, respect is huge. Respect, she's an accomplished person, a very intelligent person. She checks a lot of the boxes of, is this a good, smart, rational human being that I want to go through life with? And yes. And it also happens to be a very other important part of the ingredient is that she also checks a lot of those boxes on the sexual intimacy, love, romantic, schmoopy side, whatever you want to call it. She checks all those boxes as well. So she was the complete package for me, as opposed to this other gal I dated who checked some of the boxes, but wow, she was wildly deficient and all the rest. This other gal, she, she had what the first one didn't have, but yeah, she just didn't have to do the other stuff as well. So many gals that I've met who I'm like, I'm friends with them platonic friends, but never in a million years, what I want to take it the other way. And then there's those ones that say that I look at and I say, oof, the things I would do to her. But then as soon as she opens her mouth or as soon as I get to know her better, I'm like, I don't think so. So my wife checked both sides of the, of the paper, if you will. And that's why I chose her. So much more, I guess, if you want to look at it, uh, oh, methodical, thought out, I don't want to look at it as cold and unromantic, but it was, yeah, if you want to be my wife, you got to really fulfill a lot of criteria here. Um, so that's my story. And Jack says that so many men rush to failure. I'm sure everyone here can give a name of folks in their own circle that fall into this. So there's a good question. Um, Jack, do you want to speak? Exactly what is it that made you want to marry your wife? This is your first marriage. I believe it is, correct? 
Yes, my uh, first marriage. And, uh, you know, we got married. We've been married for 13 years. We have three children. And uh, our entire marriage has been while I've, you know, been serving in the United States Army. Um, We met prior, let's see, uh, right before I went to Iraq in 2005. Um, So we met, you know, through mutual friends right, right before that. And, you know, kind of started dating a little bit and I was dating a couple other girls as well. You know, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to Iraq. I could get blown up, shot, die. You know, um, it's the nature of what I do. And, uh, you know, so I, I wasn't too serious with it, but as we really, really got to connect on an emotional level, uh, over my deployment, and when I came back, they fly you back uh, halfway through your tour of duty. So it was around July of 2006. Uh, I flew back and met her in Nashville. And I mean, holy fuck, the fireworks. And I, I just knew that, you know, I, all, all the things you're talking about with your second marriage, you know, were present for me. And, you know, I was able to screen her very, very, very well, uh, and get to know her on a deep level without having a whole lot of physical, uh, uh, attachment prior to that. So when we did get that time, I mean, it was just absolute fireworks, you know, after I redeployed, uh, I, I got to meet her family and, you know, really started dating, got to meet her friends, got to spend a lot of time with her and really, look for those red flags and you know she was just my speed of crazy you know she you know what what I could what I was willing to put up with and handle she didn't have you know the behavioral health issues she didn't have you know any financial bullshit going on in her life you know she was enrolled in a nursing program at the time and uh the big thing was she was our our personal values and upbringing aligned Uh, very closely and she is a more traditional woman that you know believes that you know you need to support your man's uh, uh, goals and dreams and that was huge for me because if you have a non-supportive wife (laughs) as a military man uh, it ain't gonna last long because you're gonna be thrown in a lot of crazy situations you're gonna be gone a lot you know, and she has to understand that, you know, th- there's a common joke out there that says, you know, if the army wanted you to have a wife, they would have issued you one. Uh, and, it, and it's kind of funny, but there's a, a hint of truth in that, you know, you, you marry the army. Um, and she knew I, I briefed her well on what she was getting into. Hey, I'm going to be gone. Hey, you know, we're in the height of the Iraq war. Afghanistan is heating up and you know, I've been deployed about six times now and about a third of our marriage, I've been over overseas or training or away. And uh, I, I think just all that in totality, you know, really, it was the total package for me. And uh, I think as we matured in our marriage, I, I realized, you know, and how much I know now, I kind of got lucky because I... <laughs> I, I know so much more about things now, you know, at 23 years of age, when I got married, 
you know, I, I didn't know a quarter of the shit that I know now. Um, and it just ended up working out. You know, she, she ended up being the total package for me and, um, you know, a great mom to our kids, a great lover, uh, a great partner in every, every way. Wonderful. Let me go ahead and mute some background noise we got here. There we go. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And Thomas, being the other uh, uh, dude on here, would you like to share your story on exactly uh, why you went again? I mean, with the history that you've been through. I mean, did you, was it this time around? Was this a much more methodical, let's really look at this and decide if I want to do this again kind of thing? Yeah. So, you know, I got married twice because it takes you too damn long to write a book. So if you'd have stuck red flags out there about 15 years ago, I wouldn't be in this damn meeting. Uh, no, I, I married my the first time around because, again, we, we already had a child. I was entering the military and it was just one of those things you do. Uh, there was no thought process put into it other than it gets us into housing and gets my kids to where I'm at. And that was pretty much it. And from her point of view, I, I Hell, I don't know why she married me. Be, she probably still wonders that question herself. Uh, the second time around, oh, I was going through a very tough time in the, in the middle of the divorce with my, my first wife when I met my second wife, hence the red flag joke. But she helped me out quite a bit through that process. She understood that I was going through the issues I was already had three kids and stepped up and, and really, really helped me out throughout that, that process. And it just seemed like the natural, the natural next step was to move forward. And, and I've spoken a little bit of, about how we would have probably been better off if we had gave us some time to kind of put all the, the stuff we were dealing with behind us and then get to know each other a little better. But we made it work, and here we are. And you know, I, I think we're on the right track, God willing, and we'll see where it goes. Very good, excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. And does anybody else? Now's the time. You know, I'm trying to think how best to do this with so many guys on the call. There is an option on the on the uh, on Zoom to do a little what they call the raise your hand. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, or if you know how to navigate that. I do not see that on my end. Let me uh, expand so I can see the list of guys here. If anybody would like to share their story on exactly why it is that they got married, maybe it was a unique circumstance that you'd like to share, or if you'd like to speak on some commonality you see amongst all your friends that got married. Would anybody, no pressure to chat here, but if anybody would like to share, now is the time to do so. If you would like to do the little hand raise, we have go right ahead, sir. Uh, good idea. So, how are you going? Um, uh, from uh, Sydney, Australia. I've spoken to uh, Thomas and Jack before, but this is the first time I've had the pleasure of talking to you. Thanks for, for doing oh, well, all welcome. this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you raise the issue, like I've been asking myself that a lot lately. Uh, you know, I've been married uh, a little over 13 years. Um, and I just think to myself, if... I mean, even if it had existed, but even if someone had just come up to me and goes, hey, Baz, just wait a few years. There's this thing that's going to be on your phone. It's called Tinder and it's called Bumble. And you're just going to be able to swipe your finger either left or right and girls will just come to you and you can have all the sex you want and it'd be the best thing. 
And I think to myself, would would half the guys got got married now? You know, it's a very cynical way of looking at it. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, it, it, if you if you look at it, I mean, like you know, you're saying about the right reasons why you got married the second time, but um, you know, a lot of guys we, we we get married for the wrong reasons, and it's only in retrospect that we look back and uh, and 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 yeah, understand that. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact that you did it the second time, obviously, she must have been a good chick. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sometimes I ask myself, like, uh, yeah, would, I, would I ever do this again? Yeah, we're having, I'm having issues at the moment. We're trying to sort of work it out, but I don't think so. I think it's pretty much done. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was like, no, I, I'd never do this again, especially now where you don't really need to. You know, it's, it's going to sound cold, but for a lot of guys um, that go through the first marriage and they are, quote, ruined by the first marriage, a lot of that ruining is not only emotional, but it's obviously it's the most obvious, which is financially. And, you know, they can't see the children and their, their 401k has been wiped out and they had to move elsewhere. So they lost their first job and now they're taking a much lower. I mean, I've heard it all. And um, it, it's going to sound cold and blunt, but a big part of my respect for my second wife is in that, well, she's gainfully self-employed as a medical doctor. She's a surgeon. Um, and she in fact, doesn't need me to write a check to pay for anything. She doesn't need me to provide for her in that way. So in my mind, whether it's right or wrong, but in my mind through the courtship process, it made our attachment that much more authentic which was she's sitting across from a guy who is makes a fraction of the salary that she does. I, she saw me as an ambitious guy. She saw me that I had visions for what I want to do with my life and I'm not happy with where I am. And I'm sure that played into it. And we could go into the concept of hypergamy and, you know, that's kind of a touchy subject and women, women tend to marry and date up or across their social strata that, you know, in other words, the woman who's a CEO of a company typically does not marry a garbage man, typically. Um, while on the other hand, a male CEO will gladly marry his secretary. Um, it's just the way it is. But for, so when I sit with my wife, I know that, well, romantically at a, at a deeper level, she respects me and she has love for me and feelings for me. And frankly, if she were some very underemployed woman, very undereducated and so forth. And if that respect wasn't there for me, I don't believe I would have ever married her. Um, so that's a big thing for me not to go off on a tangent there, but um, if we got a couple of comments here, let me back up on the chat. Uh, what do you view as a good reason to get married? I just feel like there is no upside to getting married versus just being in a long-term relationship, especially if you do not want to have kids. Well, you know, I think it's perfectly valid, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many guys I've talked to where I ask them the question of, okay, you're married, things are rocky, obviously, or you wouldn't be talking to me. Where do you feel the wheels fell off on the relationship? And it's usually one of two things. Uh, We got married and we moved in together. And that's when uh, the sexual frequency went down. Uh, We went from a couple of times a week to a few times a month. And the other thing I hear is kids. So why is that? Well, you're entering into that world of domesticity, comfort, stability. And as we know, those are things that just take down the uh, uh, female sexual desire. Uh, It's almost like once they achieve that pinnacle of 
what it is that they've been striving for ever since they were little girls. They're suddenly like, eh, now that I have it, I'm just not quote turned on anymore. I'm not turned on sexually. My, my life energy is kind of zapped out of me. And for a lot of women, they're left with, is this it? Because I'm suddenly not completely fulfilled as a human being. And so some women, this causes like a shit storm in their head of, of um, what is their place in this world? Who am I exactly? And so forth. Or sometimes it's just as simple as some women are programmed in a way that as soon as they say, I do, there's like, ah, there goes all the spark. There goes everything that I had when we were dating. Now I know he's not going anywhere. Now I know that everything is just lined up and safe. And suddenly I'm completely turned off by all of this. And some women are very overt about saying that. I've had women I've known told me that. I had a, a woman who was a, a former colleague of my wife's, a fellow surgeon from Greece, beautiful woman, can't find a man to save her life. And we sit down with her and ask her why. Well, because she has a laundry list of what a guy must have. And I say, okay. And she's, she's telling me the list. She gets like two or three things into it. And I said, okay, you just eliminate 99% of the candidates out there. Keep going. And she laughs. And then she ends with, I'm just broken. Because as soon as I get a guy, I don't want him anymore. And I said, aha, there you go. <laughs> there it is. And I think that's really common for a lot, a lot of women. So going back to then why marry? I agree. You're kind of, you're kind of rolling the dice, aren't you? When you, as soon as you have those words of, will you marry me? You kind of also, with the other hand, kind of, kind of crossing your fingers saying, please don't be one of those women. Um, how, do you, how do you make sure that's not, I think, a very long dating process, long courtship process, seeing them in various stages of life? How do they cope with difficulties and so forth? And I think for the vast majority of people, man, it's a little strong words, vast majority, for a lot of people, staying in that committed, but not necessarily married not necessarily living together style of relationship, I think works wonders. And I don't see a damn problem with it, to be honest with you. I don't see a problem with a guy saying, I live over here. She lives across town and we've been seeing each other for 30 years and we're as happy as can be. And I think for a lot of those people, they, it's a lot of those people that I talk to that have that sort of relationship have been married before. And they realize that I'm just not wired for this staying under the uh -huh. same. I'm just not wired to stay under the same For a second, roof. If everybody can, if anybody else can hear him, just let me know. But yeah, I think he was just, there he goes. Oh, am I back? Yeah. You jumped back in. That's all right. Oh, uh, shoot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No yeah. worries. I'd say we lost about 20 seconds of, of that. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I, I, as soon, just this very second, I got a warning on my screen saying that you cut out. So I apologize <laughs> for that. So anyways, I was going off on yeah. a rant on marriage. Why? Good question. Because I think plenty of people can be perfectly happy without saying I do. But it's, it's a very succinct way of, of, of encapsulating what I was going on and on about. For me, it was an ultimate expression of commitment. I guess that's basically it. And maybe I'm old fashioned in that way. And the biggest the question, if my wife now goes off the rails and goes crazy, and I'm like, oh, this ain't going to work for whatever reason. Do I do this all over again? Probably not. Probably not. Um, being quite honest with you. And that's not a condemnation of marriage in particular. That's a, why would I go through this whole process all over again kind of thing? Um, I can see that I can be perfectly happy on my own as a single guy dating around, maybe having one single partner that I date, but you don't necessarily need to throw the whole concept of marriage in there if you don't have to. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Anybody else have any thoughts on the matter? 
dating long-term, committed, or just dating around, dating multiple people versus saying, I'm committed to you and only you, let's get married, let's move in together and have kids. Says you are clever, Dia, so she earns more than you, and so you do quite well if it all goes wrong. <laughs> oh, let me say this, this is another thing. Um, I did a, what's called a prenuptial agreement, which basically says on a piece of paper, whatever I bring into the relationship is mine, whatever you bring in is yours. Um, whatever we contribute to equally in the relationship, we'll, if this relationship doesn't work, we will split up, but you don't get my 401k. I don't get yours. You don't get my salary, no alimony, none of that garbage. Now, with that being said, probably a lot of people would say, I, had, I got a buddy who has one of those and they threw it out in court. Yeah, probably could very well be, you know, I, I'm hoping that I'll have to come to that, but just in case I kind of, uh, Hedge my bets a little bit there with a prenuptial agreement. We have a hand up, Mr. If you would like to step up, sir. There you go. Oh, Hello? there he is. Yes, yes, sir. Hey, I had to figure out how Zoom works. So no worries. Uh, kind of new to it. Um, what's up, guys? Uh, first meeting for me, but um, I just kind of jumped in uh, a few minutes ago, so I kind of caught the tail end of what everybody was talking about. But um, it's, I think the, the kind of idea was like why why make the jump to getting married and whatnot. And there's a lot of validity to, to that, to not, to not doing it. I was actually in the car yesterday and with my wife and we were talking about it because her brother is uh, going through a nasty divorce right now. And, uh, and we were kind of discussing how it just doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, for, for the, for the guy in the relationship, because it's like, there's just so much risk involved and, and, you know, and, and she's like, yeah, I just, you know, she, she's, she's divorced once and, and said that, you know, when they got divorced the first time, she just couldn't see wrecking anybody's life. So she didn't really go after any alimony or anything like that. But, but she's like, you know, there's just a, a, a lot of risk. And, and she thinks that, you know, a lot of, you know, if you're happy that, and, and you're good with somebody, you know, she's that classic, like, I don't think you need a piece of paper. I mean, it's nice to have it, but, but. I mean, I think that that's kind of a, you know, something to really think about before you, you know, before you go back into, into getting married again, if, if that's where you're at, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to just, you know, keep it, keep it free and not, I, I mean, there's, it's, I didn't really think that was a thing until I got married. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, yep, that's what everybody's talking about. Everybody just, you know, I mean, you always hear, okay, after you get married, you know sex life goes down, you know, adventure goes down, people get comfortable, you know, unless you can find a way to keep that from happening. It's like, mm -hmm. eh. mm -hmm. yeah. So but anyways, that's, that's my two cents on it. So. Very good. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything else to share? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Loud and clear. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm probably the only guy in the room. I'm 56. Oh, yeah, I was married nice. for 23 years and uh, I recently got divorced. Um, one of the issues I'm kind of struggling with right now is, you know, my, my wife was, you know, not faithful and uh, I'm a Christian and uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to kind of hold my Christian values up and, and uh, this just kind of really shakes your faith, not just in Christianity, but in humanity getting, you know, like I'm back in the dating world now. And right now, there's a girl I know that she would, you know, she'd go long term with me right now. But you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd ever get married again. I know why I got married the first time. Um, 
I, I was starting a life. I, you know, was young. Uh, I met uh, probably the best looking woman I've ever met in my life, of course, and I'm a sucker for good looking women. And uh, she was not, she was not just good looking, but she had all the values that I wanted too. So anyway, we dated for four years before we got married. We were married for 23 years. We had four kids and uh, you know, everything just kind of turned dead and I struggled with it for 10 years. And I finally found out about uh, the affair she was having and I decided to end it. So why would I get married again? I don't really know, but I, for some reason, I value the whole idea of mm. being married. Yeah, I do too. I think I'm wired for it, to be quite honest with you. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a pretty damn good husband, especially the second time around. I'm a good partner, and I, I like the concept of going through life with someone. Uh, life is tough. I don't care how you look at it. A lot of shit gets thrown at you, and... If you're with the right partner, and I, I emphasize that phrase, if you're with the right partner, it's a hell of a lot easier, more fun, and more fulfilling to go through with it, with life with the right person. Now, if you're with right. the wrong, if you're with the wrong person, oh Jesus! But how do you know? You know, how that's you, the problem. It, it, I well, have. It's, it's that yeah, I, it's I mean, that roll of the I dice. Thought I knew it? forever. I yeah. thought I knew forever, and then it just out of the blue. Well, pretty much. Now, yeah. is it uh, is it? Bad to say, how many years would you say it was good? Oh, probably 10 left, 10, 10 to 12. And, you know, and it wasn't, I wouldn't say it went bad, but, you know, we had some big life issues. We had, we had, we had one of our kids, we had four kids. Now we have three, one of them died. And, and that oh, was kind of I'm a point where yeah. things started going sideways, you know. And, well, as you, and, as you, uh, as you, as you know, I'm sure with, if you've read on the subject, that's pretty common after the uh, death of a child. Yeah. What are the rates of divorce? And it's pretty damn high. Yeah. And yeah. I know. It, it seems like any of these moments, what I call those holy shit moments in life, those are the ones that put a, a real union to, te you know, to test. Um, it could be one of you gets cancer, one of you loses a job or something as awful as um, you lose a child. And that's right. when it's, that's when the real stuff comes out. Um, hey, well, I just, uh, I wanted to say that uh, yeah. I really appreciate your book. I was reading um, Now What? And, oh, uh, okay. and it's fine. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air. Everything seems to be written for the, for the, for the women. And <laughs> I think more and more now, I think it's, it's the men that are getting left behind due to whatever reason. The court yeah. systems are geared towards the women. And, and uh, I really got, got, the, got the, the hind tit on that. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I am. Um, yep. You're going down a whole different road there. We could spend. Yeah, sorry. yeah, we could. No, no, this is good because we could spend an hours and hours on, man, us guys get screwed over. And I'll be the first to kind of, you know, raise some eyebrows at some guys when they tell me that. And I'm like, dude, I know your story. The guy's telling me like how they've been screwed over and you've effed up like 12 times along the way here. You're not completely infallible in all this. But right. with that, with that being said, I have seen firsthand the second that the powers that be go, Oh, you have a website for men. Do you, Oh, you've written books for men. Have you, um, I've had my account on Facebook shut down. I don't know, half dozen times in the past few years, um, with no explanation as then other than, uh, this just doesn't go against, this goes against Facebook policy. This is bad. Go away. 
And I'm looking like, did something recently get posted? I'm not aware of. And no, it's just the fact that it's something for men. So therefore it has to be inherently bad, misogynistic, terrible, mean, awful, not good for society. And then it takes two or three appeals. And then finally somebody at Facebook goes, no, this is fine. And turns me back on, but man, I've had that happen a few times. Um, uh, there's a gentleman on this call named Tony who helps me out with uh, a lot of the stuff behind the scenes that you guys don't see to making the business work, DSO world work. And uh, we just submitted a, this was like a month or so ago, a um, press release to go out to a lot of different uh, news organizations. And it was before it could even get out of the gate, it was flatly denied. Nope. The subject matter is not something we're interested in. And it was all about, we have a site for guys starting over in life after divorce and learning things about how to be a better husband. Nope. Not interested. Doesn't work. Um, it's almost treated as some kind of pornography. So Again, going down a little tangent there. We have our work cut out for us as dudes, for sure. Um, let me go down the chat here. I apologize. This is not the most. Uh, says a marriage contract should be like any other contract. It has a fixed term and a renewed, renewed every few years upon uh, parties choosing to renew. We should have clear termination clauses. I like it personally. Uh, such an approach would be an incentive on both parties to make it work. Um, which I was getting at with uh, Brian with your comment earlier. If you said, man, we had 10 great years, is that such a bad thing? Maybe we're looking at marriage in the wrong way, relationships in general. Maybe we should look at it as chapters in a book. You know, you had your chapter with this wife, 10 awesome years, and then er, something horrible happened and it ended. I'm looking forward to the next chapter, whatever that may be. Five, cha five year chapter, 10 year chapter, 20 year <laughs> chapter. I don't know what that may be, but is that such a bad Re thing? Yeah, renewable contracts, yeah. Yeah, renewable contracts going with <laughs> theme there. I like it. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing. Uh, yeah. you know, some of the uh, most interesting people in the world that I know have definite chapters in their life. Like, uh, yeah, I was in the Navy and then I became this businessman. And then I lost, I was in a horrible accident and then I went to this and then that led to this opportunity. And now I'm on wife number three and I'm the happiest I've ever been. And, but, and I don't regret anything in my life. Those type of guys, those are the most interesting dudes to me. Um, those are the ones that have been there, done that and got the, the scars to prove it. Um, says, can you tell that I write and negotiate contracts for a living? <laughs> that's good. Well, that's a perspective that we need. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, let me see what else we got here that I've missed while blabbing away. Okay. This is a good point. No, I, I lost it. This this thing is very touchy for me when I scroll up and down, it just goes away. I think the symbolic, this is from, uh, I, I think the symbolic commitment is important when things aren't going well and encourages you to work on things rather than walking away. I think is touch, touching on something big here, which is, I think, back in the good old days, whatever that may mean to you, 50s, 60s, I don't know what that means exactly, but we all have this idea for good old days. And how do we boil that down to what do we mean by that? It, it means when the man and woman, for us in our perspective, specifically the women, were more committed, that when life threw the holy shit at them, they didn't go, ah, and bug out. They go, well, but I'm committed to this guy. We got to see through it. We got to work this out. Uh, it sounds, you know, obviously I'm a little biased in my perspective as a dude who's been through this. Um, I think culturally, for whatever myriad of reasons, that has not gone away, but it's far less common than what it used to be. Uh, I think we have a lot of financial reasons. Women are highly educated. Women are making just as much money as men, et cetera, et cetera. To where if you have a woman like my wife, for example, Let's say I royally screw up and I'm un unemployed. This DSO thing goes away. My other gigs all go away. 
I lose a leg in an accident. I become 400 pounds. I don't want anything to do with her. I'm just a blob sitting on the couch. Is my wife more apt as a successful surgeon to look at me across the room and say, I'm going to help this dude through everything. I'm going to make sure that he picks himself up and dusts himself off and becomes a successful dude again. Or given her background where she is at currently, is she more apt to say, what the hell am I doing with this dude? Be honest with you, I don't know. Maybe the latter. I think she's more apt to do the, I know who I am. I know my value, my worth. Am I wasting precious years on this human being here? Look at him. You know, I've given him so much of a chance and he keeps screwing up. He's lost his job. He looks horrible. He's awful. He's depressed. I don't see any upside to being with this guy. I think she's much more apt and women like her are much more apt to say adios from the woman's perspective. Is that a good thing? They have more power. They don't have to put up with, for lack of a better word, a substandard mate, a substandard life situation. I'm just trying to put myself in their position. Um, Jack says, unfortunately, culture and upbringing is changing. A lot of women treat men like walking ATMs yep, to use and abuse. Very important to screen the living shit out of any woman that you're with. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't see a name here, unless your name is, in fact, Huawei P30 Pro. <laughs> he said, the first time attending this meeting, quite impressive. Having to rethink why I got married in the first place. Well, thank you, Huawei P30 Pro. <laughs> what if the parents named him after the phone or which came first? So, anywho, a very common name here. <laughs> very common name here in, in uh, Europe says, thank you for that. Um, anybody else have anything to share? Concept of marriage, any other comments? If you don't want to have your voice heard, you're always free to uh, use the chat feature. This is what I like about these meetings. Um, a lot of interesting things come out. Somebody, if I hear you unmuting, I'm assuming that it means you may want to chat. So you came up there for a second. I don't know if that was an accident. Oh, yeah. I got a question for you. Please. Do you have, so what is the best way to vet a new woman? Like, I mean, financially. I, you Brian, I apologize. I accidentally just muted you. Could you come back, please? I tried to mute, unmute myself. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's I don't okay. know where I left off. But what I, what <laughs> How I was do you saying vet a woman? Is, yeah, how do you vet them financially first of all, and uh, I mean without just you know be, being a complete ass and saying hey you know how much do you owe? I mean do you a credit check on them? I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I have uh, <laughs> had in the past had women lie to me, and then my wife and, uh, when we were married she lied to me for about finances the whole time, and the woman before her that was uh, you know and that's. One of the big obstacles we faced is just she had just this mountain of debt that I didn't know about mm-hmm. for the for six months. So you so you, you were you were with this woman, you started dating, or you were well into the dating phase and years down the line, then you discovered this mountain of debt. Uh, with well, in the first relationship prior to my marriage, and um, I was going, I was engaged, and I found out about this mountain oh, of debt, which okay. which turned into, you know, a lot of other trust issues that went along kind of the same lines sure and uh anyway we called off the marriage and so you know years i later met the who became my wife and uh you know she she couldn't be straight about finances you know and and uh you know i i just how how do you go about well how did fact checking them how did you find how did you find out about woman number one that you were engaged to how did you find out about that financial stuff she, uh, we're, we're, we're out on a date and she just starts crying. Oh, well, okay. like, like just out of the blue. I don't know what's going on. I'm, you know, and 
she says, I have some debt that I can't pay. And uh, so this has been quite a while into our relationship at the time. And, and I just kind of felt, I'm, I'm not sure, was it, maybe it wasn't any of my business up to then, but. So maybe the answer but, to that question is, it, it's almost as if the, 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 the theme of your question is, I'm worried about getting past the point of no return and then discovering something awful. Discovering she used to be a prostitute, discovering she used to have a drug problem, discovering she has $50,000 of debt, yada, yada, yada. To which I would say, then don't paint yourself into a corner to the point where you have that, oh crap, now I have no escape. You always have an escape in my mind. Like if I were to discover that my wife was a serial killer or something, I have no problem tomorrow going, well, shit, how am I going to get out of this? I got to... I got to pack some stuff together. I got to you know, the house thing and da, 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 da. it wouldn't be a matter of, well, I guess I'm living with a serial killer to which I don't think you would say, well, I guess I'm living with a woman with six figure debt. No, you would say, Oh, that's stupid. Adios. And what prohibits and that's you? That's what I did the first time. Yeah. There you go. So what prohibits you from doing that ever again? Maybe it's, well, I'm financially tied to this woman. We got three or four kids, got a house. These are all logistics of life that, some point you got to put some kind of draw the line in the sand and say, I don't care what's going on in my life. If you cross this line, I'm out. Right. Whatever that, and that line's different for every dude. But for me, um, yeah, I'd be right there if I found out that my wife had huge figures of debt. And, but at the same time, my, my relationship with my now wife is structured in a manner to where I am not responsible for that. Now, maybe somebody's laughing right now saying, well, think again, because this happened to me and I had debt collectors calling me. Well, yeah, I was, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. What was your name on the debts? Did she put, no. your, but, but just the fact that you're cohabitating with her as her husband, they figure yep. we'll, we'll, we'll come after you. We'll try to milk some money out of somebody. Yep. To a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember your story from before. That's a, that's a rough one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then that wasn't it, you know. Then but you it's not on. But it's not, and they take everything else. So. But it's not on your credit, though, is it? No. It's just the fact that you were the nearest breathing human being. That's why they're coming after you. No, I probably bounced back financially better than anybody I know in my position, but um, I'm still not. You know, my retirement has been pushed way down the road. So. Oh, because of divorce yeah. from this wife. Yeah, because of divorce, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. So, so then in looking at that, what have you learned from that, that you say, I'm not going to replicate this in the future and I'm not going to replicate this by doing what? Not marrying? That's a pretty Well, that's safe. my first idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's straight up. That's my first thought is uh, I won't do that again or, or do what you did. And that's, and this has been not, you didn't bring this up to me. I thought about it. Um, marry a woman that makes more money than me. It seems to be that if they want to make it, you know, equitable, then, I have to find somebody that makes at least as much as I do more. Oh, interesting that the tables are turning, aren't they? In the world of the relationships. Cause yeah. uh, how funny that you ask any woman up to this point and they would, you know, how would you like to marry a guy who makes far less than you? A lot of them turn their nose and go, Ooh, I don't know. Well, why not? Well, and a lot of them will say, I just don't want to be having to take care of the guy. Like I can't fathom the idea of having to pay a guy's way through life. Yuck. <laughs> no, thank you. And now us guys are starting to come around to that, aren't we? <laughs> hmm. Maybe the ladies oh, yeah. were onto something. Maybe there's something. I, I won't put that. myself at risk for, for paying for another woman in the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. I mean, I've heard the horror stories. Horrible, horrible things. Uh, but at the same time, I, I mean, to be honest, I've heard it the other way as well. 
where it's yep. a guy, a guy will rack up a whole hell of a lot of debt. The wife didn't know about and Next thing you know, the wife is living somewhere in some hotel with the kids. Cause dad paid up a bunch of stuff and they got evicted and dad's running off with some hookers or whatever it may be. I've heard those things too. So it takes all types, I suppose. None of us are innocent in all this. Yeah. This, which brings up another point where I don't want these conversations to go to. And dude, trust me, I completely get the concept of what the fuck is wrong with these women these days. I totally get that. And I always go back to guys with, dude, they've always been like this. And that's not a condemnation of women. It's more of a, an observation that us dudes for a variety of reasons have really put these women up on a pedestal and we treat them as superhumans when in fact they're very flawed human beings. Like we are very flawed human beings. I always give the example of the vast majority of human beings in the history of mankind that have been serial killers are men. The vast majority of mass murderers, murderers, period, rapists, men, men, men. But I don't, you know, every time a man walks by me on the street, I don't go, oh, okay, oh my God, rapist, murderer, oh, oh my God, oh my God. But the statistics show me that that dude that walked by me is far more likely to be a rapist or serial killer or mass murderer than the woman who just walked by me. But I don't look at it that way. Same thing with women. I don't go, geez, all women are just money grubbing whores. What is wrong with them? No, some are for sure. Absolutely. Some of our wives, ex-wives, sisters, moms have been horrible, terrible people. But you know, welcome to the real world. There's a lot of horrible, terrible people out there. And women are no, no angels, as we have all learned. And they're capable of their own flavor of some pretty horrible, awful stuff. And I think a lot of our, our, um, uh, our hurt, our pain over that is because we just, we thought, man, I thought they were, they were so much better than that. I thought this women in general were the kinder, gentler sex. That's what I've been told. That's always what I thought. I thought I need to be the one that's more, I, I need to keep my masculinity, you know, at a slow simmer. Otherwise I'm going to scare them off. I got to be gentle. I got to be kind. This all puts them in the theme of being better than us in a lot of ways, temperamentally, emotionally. And frankly, it's horseshit. There you go. There's my well, spiel for the day. <laughs> yes. Well, just one, one little thing I'd like to add here that, that I didn't expect in my divorce is that a guy, a, a big part of your identity is being able to support your wife and your kids and your family for a lot of us. And when you get divorced, that goes away. That's, that's like your identity just falls to the side. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still having to support them. It's just, that's no longer your identity. That'll provide your identity, which is so important. To a lot of guys, we get a lot of our, our sense of self, our sense of worth from being the provider. And when that's yanked out from you or worse, hey, thanks for all that provider stuff, but it really didn't mean much of anything because I'm now I'm running off to this guy who has a, a criminal record and uh, he has eight kids from seven other women and he's just an all around horrible person. I'm going to leave you, Mr. Provider, for that dude over there. And we're left just holding our hands going, what in the same hell just happened? I thought the provider thing kind of prevented that kind of craziness from entering into my world. Yeah, no, no, dude. People are awful, regardless if you provide or not. And what a lot of us unfortunately learn after divorce is that whether or not you want to keep providing for the wife and the kids, it's not really up to you, is it? Sometimes the state says somebody's got to provide for it and we, the state, are not going to do it. So we're going to take some cash out of your check to make sure they get provided for. As I'm sure, uh, Thomas can, he's a bigger expert on that than I am. Um, Thomas, you want to say anything, comment on that at all? 
I just chuckled when you when you said that. Yeah, the the, the state's not wanting to pay for that at all. So, <laughs> so somebody will. Somebody will. Exactly right. Um, I saw a. Uh, oh, it was one of those memes I saw this years ago. Something like uh, public housing for men that don't pay child support, and it was a prison, and then it said public housing for women, and it was like an apartment building or something like that <laughs> that don't pay child support. So, just different worlds. Uh, I think it's slowly but surely the pendulum's starting to swing a little bit in the other direction. I know of guys personally who have made out pretty damn well in divorces, believe it or not, where their highfalutin wife has to write them a nice little fat check every month, where they get the kids the majority of the time. I get my kids half the time. For years there, it was the majority of the time. Uh, Jack, yes, sir. Hey, I got to jump off here. Uh, I, I just wanted to uh, close and tell you guys, thank you for joining and, um, you know, join the fraternity. Keep getting us good information. Take advantage of the resources we have. And we keep adding capability week by week. You'll see it. Get, a part, get active in the Facebook group you're going to get 24 seven good counsel and largely good counsel and advice from the, the men in there, 3000 plus members and growing every day that will help you get through your situation, whatever that means for your situation. But I, I got to run. I got a bunch of important man shit I got to do and close out my Sunday. I'm about to go on vacation, but I just want to say it was a pleasure meeting all of you. Great conversation from, um, Thomas and DSO, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys in the future. Jack, thank you so much. Appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate everything you do. Um, I don't want to cut off anybody, though, who has something else that they want to share. This is our first ever open to the public DSO fraternity meeting. This is a pretty good example of what you hear. Without all the sales pitch introduction is, you know, what we typically do in these. We stick to a topic. We bounce around back and forth quite a bit. Does anybody else have anything else to share before we wrap it up today? Any comments? Anything at all? DSO, if you don't mind, I'd like to say a little something. Yes, sir. Go right ahead, buddy. Um, to all the guys who are new here, and I think everybody who's been around for a while or even just a little bit of time can attest that this group of guys, this army that we have is um, – I don't think words can really put it into perspective, the benefit that it gives. A lot of things that I've seen over the years as far as men's mental health and, and just the whole aspect of, you know, men and their struggles in general has been, you know, put off and, and the whole cliche of oh, just be a man, right? Well, we all have feelings, emotions and, and struggles on our own. And we don't have the first fucking clue of how to navigate some of this shit, especially situational stuff like in the moment. And this group and this group of guys and the information that's out there that has been developed by DSO and now with the oncomings of Jack and Thomas and everybody else, like it is invaluable, gentlemen. Thank and, you, my friend. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's your, you know, it's not not to cut you off there, but it's not a. Um, we haven't stumbled upon some secret magic formula that nobody else in the universe has here. We've stumbled no, upon. We've, we've stumbled upon something 
that is so needed and is so absent, which is a camaraderie, a brotherhood, if you want to call it that. It's just a bunch of dudes get together in a room, sipping beers, going, all right, Bob, you go next. What's going on with you? And then yep. three, other, three other guys raise their hand and go, yeah, me too. My, here's what I did. He goes, ah, oh, good to know. Yeah, good idea. Good tip. It's just guys sitting around bullshitting, comparing notes, helping each other out. And it sounds simple, but damn, it, it's so freaking rare for so many dudes. We it just is. We just have we're caught up with our kids we're caught up with our work we're caught up with our wives ex-wives girlfriends whatever it may be and when i asked that when's the last time you just sat down with a bunch of dudes and just talked it out and just had yep. some good time wouldn't you go get a bunch of guys and go shoot some hoops and sweat it out in a basketball court and go get beers afterward when you, you know so yep. uh, oh last year I, I meet with my you know my high school buddies once a year we go fishing and that's it that's it it's like damn what if you did that once a month? What if yeah. you did that once a week? And like, oh, dude, that'd be that'd be amazing. That'd be awesome. That's in part what this is. It's just exactly. getting a bunch of like-minded dudes who've been through the same shit or some flavor of the same shit together and saying, "Dudes, this sucks. What'd you do? What do you think?" And we just talk it out. That's really all, that's all there is to it. And that's why I started this. I'm the first to admit I don't get enough guy time myself out in the real world. I try. But damn, you know, I call up five buddies and they're like, I can't, I got soccer practice. I can't, I got this. And now, dude, I'd love to, but I can't. I, eventually it gets tiresome. So you guys are my group as well. Just like uh, I'm for you. So thank you for that, buddy. I appreciate it. And I didn't Absolutely. mean, to, I didn't mean to cut you off. Anything else you wanted to share before we uh, hang her up? Or does anybody else have anything? Raise your hand if you would like to say something. Go ahead, sir. No, you're good, man. You, you, you concluded pretty much everything or summarized everything I was trying to say, like, I guess I was more speaking to the newcomers in, in, in an essence, right? Like, yeah. if you guys are skeptical on whether you need this type of shit or not in your life, you do. Yeah. Plain and simple. Like, and, and we need you too, because we need, we need to know and, and be there to, to support other men and all that type of stuff too. Like it's, it's so important. It's so invaluable and it takes an army and we have that here. So add to it. Join, join, join. Excellent. Thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate it. And you had something to say, sir. Yeah, I can attest to that. I just, I mean, how long have I, I think I did a one-on-one -on -one with you, what, a month ago, two months ago? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and like, my wife just like walked out the door and she's like, every night after the kids go to bed this week, you know, and I'm just like, what the hell, man? I mean, this, it's unbelievable the changes and like the, the behavior in myself. And how all of a sudden, like, the whole family unit is completely different. I mean, it's just, like, it's priceless, you know. So it's, anybody's on the fence, I mean. It's eye-opening, isn't it, just how much our, yeah. behavior, our behavior as the dude just kind of trickles down to everything else. Yeah, unreal. I mean, she just, like, she just pulled me, like, while I'm on the meeting, I got like, an earbud in. She has no, <laughs> she's like, what do you listen to? I'm like, ah, you know. She's like, <laughs> grabs my hips, pulls me in, gives me a big fat kiss and says, like, you know, awesome. I'll give you something. Like, yeah, I'm like, you know, unreal, man. I mean, it's just incredible. So thanks it. a lot. And thank I hope you, everybody uh, jumped thank on you, board. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And let's wrap this up. I want to uh, my, my final pitch on all of this, the DSO fraternity right now, as we speak, if you want to join, it's $9.99 a month and you get all the things we talked about. One real quick, again, articles, audio, Facebook groups, uh, access to all of the books, audio format, download them, and then access to these meetings. And then a portion of that goes off to the Movember charity. You get all that for $9.99 a month, or if you want to pay up front, 99 bucks for the entire year. 
Um, we are looking at increasing that price as well as increasing the price of the DSO, or excuse me, of the one-on-one -on -one coaching. For you guys that are already in, your price doesn't go anywhere. You committed to that price of $9.99 or $9.99 a year. It'll always be that for you. You guys are grandfathered in. Uh, but for new dudes, I don't know exactly. This isn't some pitch like buy now, but here in the near future, probably the beginning of the year next year, we'll probably bump up those rates. Uh, it's just getting to the point where we're bringing a lot more in and expenses are going up. So that's the nature of the game, right? But uh, thank you guys so, so very much. If you want to reach out via email, you can do so to me, DSO at dadstartingover.com, Thomas at dadstartingover.com, Jack at dadstartingover.com. If you want to learn more about the fraternity, everything we talked about, there's a cute little video you can watch. You can go to dadstartingover.com slash join dadstartingover.com slash join and learn all about the uh, DSO fraternity. And uh, you can read all the articles, podcasts, all that fun stuff at no charge as always. Thank you guys. Appreciate you and appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your Sunday and a wonderful week. Take care, everybody. Stay healthy. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one -on -one coaching with myself, and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.